Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't mind if you got something nice to say about me. I enjoy an accolade like the rest. And you could take my picture and hang it in a gallery of all the who's who. Good afternoon and greetings from sunny Florida. This is Chickie Fitzgerald and you're about to hear an excerpt from the vignette speaker for the Executive Girlfriends Group call. I'm the founder of the Executive Girlfriends Group and CEO of both the Solutions Group and Solutions Media. AG is a bi-member only organization. We have a broad range of benefits for our members including participation in our weekly calls held each Friday at 4 p.m., special calls held for various groups and on various topics throughout the month, a local knowledge base that is a digital community, and various local and regional face-to-face get-togethers. Egg is sponsored by Solutions Media today. For more information about our organization, see www.solutionswithaz.com. And now, our call from Friday, January 8, 2010. Our guest was Henry Hardevelt. Vice President and Principal Analyst from Forrester Research. Please note that Henry will be referring throughout his presentation to an accompanying slide presentation that was only available to those who attended this call live. We were fortunate to see a preview of some upcoming research that Forrester will be publishing. For more information about Forrester and their research, Henry will provide contact information at the end of this recording for both the company and for how to follow him live on Twitter. Okay, good afternoon. It is Friday, January 8th. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and it is my distinct pleasure to introduce Henry Hardevelt. And for most of you, uh, we have a a lot of folks on the call today. In fact, the majority of you who are from the travel industry, Henry is is no stranger. And uh, most of us, when we speak of Henry, speak with words of, of great fondness and love. So, Henry, you're not only revered for, uh, for who you work for, but uh, definitely for who you are in our lives. So, welcome. And- hey, thanks. Well, it's an honor to be part of this. Thank you, uh, Tiffany and Chicky, for inviting me. <clears throat> Hi, everyone. Henry Hardevelt. I'm a Vice President and Principal Analyst at Forrester Research. Uh, I'm based in San Francisco, uh, and it's a pleasure to be part of today's call. Okay, great. Henry, for those who who don't know you well, can you give us uh, your professional background? Because I know life uh, in the industry actually started for you uh, before you got to Forrester. So why don't you uh, share a little bit of your background first before we jump into talking about 2010. Sure, thanks. Uh, uh, I've been at Forrester for 10 years. 
Uh, in fact, I just celebrated my 10th 10-year uh, uh, anniversary at, at Forrester on the 3rd of January. But uh, prior to Forrester, I uh, have held jobs in marketing, advertising, loyalty marketing, distribution, and planning uh, for companies uh, uh, like TWA, Continental, Trump Organization, Fairmont Hotels, and Get There. Uh, and uh, uh, in addition, I've worked in branding and, and advertising as well. Okay, and that, that must make you about 90 years old. Thank you very much, Chickie. <laughs> Either that or you can't hold a job down. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm older than I'd like to admit, but I'm still young enough to remember it all. Okay, well, I have got my cat who is, like, doing everything he can to thwart uh, me showing your presentation here. So I'm going to try to uh, get up to where you can see where I am. So, Henry, why don't, why don't you just go ahead and, and just set the stage for us a little bit about, um, you know, kind of just looking back just for a minute, and then, then we'll jump right in. And for anybody who joins the call from here on in, we'll do your introductions at the end. Uh, well, um, uh, when uh, Chickie and Tiffany asked me to participate in today's call, they asked us to share some thoughts on how we see 2010 uh, from our standpoint at Forrester. Uh, and one of the things that Forrester does very, very well in terms of our research is consumer research. We just literally finished uh, in early December uh, a, a new online study of more than, or I shouldn't say more than, approximately 5,000 travelers in the U.S. Uh, where we asked some questions around their attitudes towards the economy in the U.S. and travel and spending and so on. And mixed with some of our other research, um, I'm going to be, uh, it's our pleasure to share with you uh, uh, a lot of information that we have not yet published uh, it includes an initial glance uh, uh, as well at our uh, online travel forecast for the U.S. Um, I think one thing that I'd just like to add is that obviously uh, travel is highly discretionary and subject to so many different things. And the uh, recent Christmas Day incident uh, has obviously put us front and center uh, in terms of media, but in talking to at least some airline people, one thing I'm relieved to hear is no one is telling me they're seeing what they would consider to be meaningful drop-off in demand. What what the uh, concern is is uh, will the incident or some of the new security procedures um, uh, have a chilling effect on demand that may have been out there and people contemplating uh, their their traveling, but they're I think it just makes sense for all of us to understand there are a lot of moving pieces uh, within our industry, and so we just need to bear that in mind. Thanks. So if we could, uh, 2010, uh, from our standpoint at Forrester, uh, is not going to be a, a great year. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even going to go out there and say it's going to be a good year. Uh, we just heard this morning that economic, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, unemployment rate remains steady at 10%. Um, uh, where we see it is that 2010 is going to be what I'm calling the year of less bad. It's, it's not going to be good. It's certainly not going to be great. It will simply suck less than 2009 did. 
Uh, I think that uh, the majority of the world's economies may have pro gone through the worst of the economic recession. But while the economists can say what they wish about recovery and whether we are or are not still in recession, it really matters how the consumer feels, how the traveler feels, uh, because travel is a discretionary business. And so, uh, Chicky, if you'd advance to the next slide then, please. Um, the theme for this is I think all of us need to view 2010 as a year of economic transition. Hopefully, we are seeing the initial shoots of uh, green shoots of uh, recovery starting to take place. Hopefully, this recovery will uh, remain and be sustained and improve over time. Uh, but I think it's important for everybody as you develop your plans, whether they're marketing plans, business strategy plans, uh, technology plans, hiring plans, to have flexibility. And uh, uh, as you would for a year in transition, uh, make sure that, that you are doing everything you can to stay on top of uh, available information, uh, be prudent in your actions, but also be creative and be willing to take some risks. There, this actually may be a great time uh, to take some risks and to test things uh, uh, where, where people are going to be open to new ideas. Chicky, if you'd advance to the next slide, please. So there are three parts uh, to this presentation that I want to take everyone to, uh, through. The first portion is the economy and its impact on the consumer's mindset. Second is online travel and the travel industry, and we'll wrap up with some implications for 2010 and some ideas on how uh, hopefully everyone on the call can take advantage of the opportunities here. So, Chicky, if we can move on even to the next slide. So, uh, many travelers uh, remain in financial pain. Um, our research shows uh, that uh, we still have a considerable number of travelers, 46%, who report that they are worse off now uh, than they had been in the pre previous 12 months. There is some good news. This is down not only from the first quarter of 2009, but also from the fourth quarter of 2008 when the worst of the financial crisis uh, was starting. Uh, the peak of, of, of the negative economic sentiment, if you will, was 57%. So we're measurably better off now. What, we're, what I'm concerned about is when we ask people if they're feeling better, um, uh, we have not seen any uh, increase in the number of people who say their personal economic conditions improved in the past 12 months. Only 13% said that they were better off, and that was exactly what we saw in fourth quarter of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, in the first quarter of the year. Uh, that's another reason why I say we're in a year of economic transition and 2010 will be a year of less bad. Chicky, if you'd advance, please, to the next slide. Uh, the good news, travelers have a positive financial outlook about how they believe they will do. Um, as I mentioned, and are they more, they're more positive than the general public? Well, the, the survey we have, Chicky, was of travelers, so I'm not able to, to make contrast of that. Uh, but travelers account for more than 86% of the online community, so I would say that traveler's sentiment reflects the uh, um, uh, general consumer uh, uh, marketplace, mm -hmm. though not all consumers are necessarily going to share the same opinion. 
Um, <clears throat> what we saw in the fourth quarter was that um, uh, one out of three travelers said they believed that in the next 12 months they, their personal financial uh, situation would get better. That is ahead of those who felt it would get worse. And in fact, it is uh, above where we saw in Q4 2008. So if we could advance to the next slide. Um, there's also some positive sentiment about the U.S. economy. Um, we asked people how they felt about the U.S. economy. Uh, and the good news here is that just as many people feel the economy will be better off as feel it could be worse, so we're seeing improvement in those who are optimistic and a decrease in the number of pessimists. All of this is really important for the um, uh, for anybody, frankly, who's in a discretionary service industry. If people feel Good. They may not rush out and spend money now, but at least they will start making their wish lists of what they would like to do and like to have. And hopefully what this means is that uh, we will see uh, some improvement in rate, some improvement in yield, uh, and so on. And in fact, uh, 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 on the 30th of December, led by United, the uh, airlines in the U.S. passed through the first of the 2010 airfare hikes. Uh, and they did that, mind you, right after this, this a terrorist incident occurred. So while we'll still see fare sales, the airlines are feeling confident enough about their demand that they're starting to raise fares. And uh, hopefully this bodes well for all sectors of the industry uh, in terms of people feeling, well, I can afford to pay an extra 5 or 10 bucks for a round trip. Um, there are also some interesting things if you'd advance to the next slide, Chicky. We're seeing travelers change their attitudes, though, towards spending and acquisition. Uh, uh, someone coined the term sell-sumer, which I like. So we're seeing travelers evolve from consumers to sell-sumers. More than half the people in our survey agreed with the statement that they're making do with fewer things, and that's okay. That's almost heretical for an American to, to say. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's always been about buying more, 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 because more is more. Uh, uh, you know, and we see more than half the people saying that they're more likely to buy products um, only on sale. 45% are saying they're using coupons more now. And uh, uh, almost 4 in 10 are saying that they've cut back on the use of their credit or debit cards. We've seen the savings rate increase. Uh, we've seen defaults on credit cards uh, decrease generally. Um, some other interesting things, people are being very crafty about how they save money and how they raise money. 20% uh, of travelers held a garage or a yard sale in the past year to raise money. 12% wow. took a second job. And 9% of people said they have bartered goods or services to, uh, uh, to raise or save money. You know, Henry, you, you mentioned the credit and debit cards. I actually heard a statistic, and I can't remember the source. I need to dig it out, um, that actually for the first time last year, debit card usage actually exceeded credit card usage. Had you heard that? Um, I have heard something similar, Chicky, uh, and I think that that points to one thing. We want to make sure we manage uh, what we spend. And right. uh, between the high cost of credit 
uh, and mm -hmm. not wanting to go over credit and people having maybe lost credit cards uh, uh, if they maybe filed for personal bankruptcy or were just being very careful and prudent. We are seeing people just be very resourceful and have both feet firmly on the ground. And what we're seeing here is the emergence of what we're, you know, of a period that's going to be new frugality. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not going to go away. It's going to last with us, at least we think, at Forrester, for the minimum of the, the next 18 to 24 months and potentially a little bit longer, depending on the shape of the recovery. Uh, earlier this year, Time uh, had a cover story, the end of excess. Quality is still going to be important to your customer. They will still value things like cleanliness, safety, reliability, uh, your reputation. They're going to be more diligent about price shopping. We have heard from companies like GDSs and travel agencies that the number of price shopping sessions per booking has gone through the roof. Um, the content that you have is going to be much more important to the customer. Written details will be important. Visual content. I'm sorry. And uh, when people buy, it will be from the sense of uh, not entitlement, but they've earned it. So if you could advance, Chicky, to the next slide, please. Yeah, hang on. I'm just trying to mute the person who's talking, but hang on one second here. Okay, go ahead. So when we talk about neo-frugal chic, you know, we're going from flash to value. Um, we may still love our shoes, but we're not going to buy something just because it's trendy, just because Lady Gaga's worn it in her last video. Uh, we're going to buy something because it's got utility, uh, uh, it's going to last, it's well-made, uh, it's going to create the memories we want, it's going to provide the rational and emotional satisfaction and fulfillment that, that we, we expect. And Henry, as you're talking about things uh, like experience, uh, and are, are you going to be addressing that in, in one of the trends uh, moving forward? Or yeah. Or will we that later? We will be talking about this. Okay. In fact, uh, as we go forward into the next slide for online travel, um, uh, if we can advance in here, uh, okay. uh, you know, we will see that travelers still maintain a tight grip on their wallets. Um, we see more people now saying that they'll accept some inconvenience. That's actually up from the first quarter of this year. Uh, we still see uh, of the plurality of people okay. saying that uh, staying in their budget is more important than going to their first choice destination. So mm -hmm. if they have only so much to spend, how can you help them find it? They're going to be very diligent about this, yet we still see 3 in 10 people saying they will trade up to an above – they'll pay a premium for something that's noticeably better. And – Today I saw an article that sales of uh, high-quality high men's grooming shave, uh, products by The Art of Shaving were actually up by, I want to say, a double-digit amount, maybe more than 20% versus year-ago levels for, for shaving cream that costs $14 or more a tube. Uh, you can, you know, a guy can go and, 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 and buy a can of shaving cream for a few bucks at the supermarket we will trade up for a better experience, but we may not be able to necessarily trade up quite like we once did or to the level we did. But that's why we're saying quality matters, and it's important to make sure you communicate 
the small details as well as the big obvious things of why a product or an experience is right for the customer. You can take no assumption, make no assumption, take nothing for granted. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting, Henry, because we've talked about this a lot on on this uh, group's calls, uh, and as we talk about our finances, one of the things we joked about earlier last year, at the beginning of the year, was, you know, we kind of made a game of finding the cheapest wine that we'd be willing to drink. Well, you know, buying two buck chuck or or winking owl or whatever we you know could fit into our budget was was okay for a while but i know for me near the end of the year it was like you know i would rather not drink at all until i can afford to drink decent one again now maybe it's not the 25 dollar bottle you know maybe it's 10 or 15 that i can get by the case but it, it's not going to be three dollar wine anymore and and, and, so, and talking yeah with why does with, it make- in talking with my colleagues who cover retail, for example, they've seen some similar behaviors. People, I think, we all responded by probably going further than we wanted to in terms of cutting back, but we felt we needed to or we knew we had to. Now we feel that we can maybe start trading back up. And again, to your point, Chicky, maybe we're not going to go back to the $25 bottle of, of wine. Right. But we'll, you know, instead of drinking the $2 bottle or the $4 mm-hmm. bottle, maybe we'll go to something in the 8 to $10 uh, range. So, right, which so obviously people, speaks toward your next slide here. Right. And, and this is, when we talk about uh, uh, brand loyalty, there's a little good news. We've actually seen a little improvement in terms of people who say they're brand loyal, but it's not that much. And the truth is, Travelers have adopted what I call a bus-like mentality towards brands. There is an oversupply of brand, of product, uh, of providers, no matter what industry you're in. And so with people so focused on price, your objective has to be, how do I connect and make people understand the value so that they stick with me? But you have to deliver on your experience at or above the customer's expectations you know, uh, uh, moment by moment uh, from one experience to the next. If you fail, even if it's a small failure, uh, uh, the customer is going to question his or her allegiance to you, and they'll say, well, gee, maybe I will choose a different travel agency, maybe I will choose a different destination, a different hotel, or whatever the provider is. Uh, and and uh, uh, we're seeing this, and, you know, what we hear from clients, uh, marketers is they feel that they're being held hostage by the customer and that's because we're saying you are you are the customer's hostage right now they're mm-hmm. firmly in in control here so if we can go on chicky um when we take a look at the frugality that we've seen uh as we built out our forecast for total u.s leisure travel spending uh, and this also includes unmanaged business you can see that we are not really projecting any change in total travel spending from 2009 to 2010. This is both online and offline. And even as we build out our recovery, uh, you know, our forward-looking forecast to 2014, uh, even in 2014, we will still be slightly below where we thought we would have been in 2013 with our last forecast. We, we at Forrester do very conservative forecasts, uh, uh, I will point out, and, and uh, uh, so we're not one to try to do pie-in-the-sky things here. 
Um, we went back in. We looked at yield data, hotel rate, ADR data, uh, car rental spending, all sorts of things, demand curves, um, et cetera, as we built this out. And, and we think that this is a prudent forecast. It's obviously subject to change. But if you note, we are not going to start seeing any momentum in travel spending until 2011 in terms of real meaningful recovery. And really, that's just going to start inching up in 2011. It'll take till 2012 to start seeing. Right, but the good news is it's not flat and it's not going down. It's, 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 it's not hockey stick, it but it's not a hockey going in the right direction. It is not a hockey mm-hmm. stick, but it is. this is not a bouffant either. I mean, you know, we're not seeing right. an S-curve. We're not seeing anything else. So we've got to be very, very careful here. And if you'd advance to the next slide, please, when we take a look at online travel, we're not going to see growth in the number of bookers. Um, you know, we're being, we're being very careful. Again, you see a very similar gentle climb uh, back up starting in 2011. Uh, it's flat from 2009 to 2010 uh, mm-hmm. with rec- really meaningful recovery starting in 2011. That's why I said this is a year of transition, but this is the year where we all need to make sure we regroup, um, start thinking about what can we do. Yes, we have to sell. Yes, we have to engage. But we we can't be – I said this at Travelcom earlier in the year – we cannot be business turtles. We cannot cower. We cannot hide, and we cannot be fearful. Right, and I think we do have to take a look at at our our own group as a microcosm, and we we are all tired of being in hunker down mode. And you know, to your next slide, this is where we're ready to be. And for yes. those who can't see uh, the visuals, it it it's a slide where you've got. Uh, well, Henry, I'll let you describe yeah. it. I mean, our our research shows three out of four people say they travel to play and have. We take trips to ride roller coasters and, you know, do fun things. We don't, you know, we have lost that sense of playfulness in so much of our marketing and so much of the planning process uh, and so on. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we focus on too much of the uh, logistics and the meat and potatoes and we forget the dreaming and the fun and the stories we want to ta- tell people. You know, I, I just came back. I, I took a, a, a long week, uh, about a week's vacation uh, in in Paris. No one asked me about the flights. No one, you know, has asked me about this. It's well, what did you do? You know, what did you know? Where did you go? What museums did you see? And so on. That's why we travel. That's you know why we do this, and and we need to remember that. So so yeah, the 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 business issues are serious. If we want to coax the consumer out of her or his shell and get that consumer spending, we have to sell to them on an emotional level and connect with them on an emotional level. And we don't do a good job of that because, unfortunately, uh, too many travel CEOs are financial or operationally focused. They don't understand marketing or it's too hard to peg marketing to dollars. They see it as an expense, not as a source of revenue, and we need to work to change that perception right. and prove to them how we drive revenue. 
And so, Henry, on the business side of things, and I mean the picture you just painted of the financially and operationally oriented CEO, a lot of them, when I hear them complaining or, or being concerned, voicing concerns, it's really about this next slide, which and, is, is about what's happening in business travel. And Yeah, in terms of business travel, we're about to get hit. You want to, you want to talk about a hockey stick? This is what's going to hit us. Uh, in terms of our industry and make us more dependent on the leisure traveler, along with facts such as 2010 is the year when the first baby boomer turned 65. Uh, our research shows 46% of uh, business travelers used conference calls in lieu of business travel, uh, a third used web conferencing, and 17% used virtual presence or video conferencing uh, and Chicky, I know that Executive Girlfriends Group uses video conferencing extensively. Technology is going to let business people avoid business travel. If the hassles uh, aren't bad enough, the mandates are going to be there. More than, I think it's something like 48% of the people we surveyed said their companies have or they expect they will have policies in place by the end of this year uh, encouraging or mandating use of technology for in lieu of taking certain types of trips. Cisco Systems has cut its business travel budget by half through its use wow. of virtual presence technology, and they're promoting this aggressively. So, well, and, and clearly that's part of their, you know, that, that's their business. So, you know, that makes sense. They bought WebEx, um, you know, Surely they have a mandate to use that internally. Yeah, but when, when Boeing starts using mm -hmm. this so that they don't have to yep. fly people to their various offices and they make the damn airplanes? Exactly. You're right. You're right. So what are the implications for 2010? So let's that's take a look at this because, uh, you know, again, oh, something to understand, there is no more free growth online. It is mature. Online growth is a point or two, and the amount of people who will be going online to book travel will be very, very small. We see the plateau in sight in terms of the number of net new bookers coming online to travel. So it makes a digital strategy, a smart digital strategy, absolutely essential. And by that, I, I assume you mean an integrated strategy to where, you know, because what, what I'm fearing, and, and again, I'm hoping that you're going to talk a little bit about social media and social commerce, because yep. in Local. the past, when we did online so many companies set up an online department, and it wasn't deeply integrated into general global distribution through uh, in the travel industry, clearly, uh, back you know, in what was being done with the travel agencies and wholesalers. And you know, I'm fearing that many companies are taking the same kind of approach to social media. They're putting it in the job description of the PR person, but they're not integrating it back into the whole marketing department and where are you going with both your online and your offline strategy, you're, so both you're digital right. and traditional. You're right. I mean, part of the challenge is we are all working for multi-channel companies in multi-channel businesses. And, you know, viewing online as a distinct department may work organizationally, but the walls, the silos have to come down because your customer is increasingly digitally focused right. and, and digital is going to be the center of what you do, but it will not be the beginning, middle, and end of what you do. Right. Something to bear in mind, your next generation of customers, people who are 18 to 43, 
uh, are spending more time online now, 20% more time than they did two years ago, and they are trading off time watching television. Uh, they spend uh, more than about 16 and a half hours a week online uh, versus about 11 and a half hours a week watching TV. You so can extend your old that down marketing. to 12 years old because my daughter, uh, you know, looks just like this, only with blonde hair, but at the exact same picture, and choosing that instead of TV even now. Right, and, and you know, something that NBC pointed out, uh, something like 20% of the people who watched the uh, Beijing Olympics uh, did so through time shifting uh, and or digital, such as you know, through their their online gateways. So your old marketing models, your old marketing approaches, your old media approaches don't hold water anymore. Right. And so and, what about advertising? What about keywords? And, and how is that all going to change? Well, you know, when you look at this, we see that consumers uh, are using the web to make dis uh, purchases offline. So we talk about online, offline, or multi-channel. Uh, you know, what we see here is almost 3 in 10 say that they see an online ad and it will drive them to a retailer's store. So you've got to plan out how you want people to book and where you want them to book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we know people find advertising annoying. Uh, we know very few people say ads help them decide what to buy. Uh, but what we have to figure out here is how do you develop a way that's relevant and creative and engaging so that you are selling to your customer in the right way for that product. And, and again, it's going to be a multi-channel approach where your online strategy may be to drive offline traffic on purpose. You may right. send a text message to somebody who's at your hotel that drives them, let's say, to the front desk to do something. So if we can right. advance on. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you're going to be talking about mobile because, you know, speaking of, of advertising that isn't welcome, as you know, phone companies get aligned with folks who are doing push advertising out to the phone. You know, I I have long since, uh, you know, stood for this whole multi-dimensional approach that you know, give me a pizza coupon if my nine and my twelve-year-old are with me, or my nine and eleven-year-old. But if I'm with my husband, I don't want to see a pizza coupon. Right, and I think the good news is that that uh, uh, and the interesting thing is mobile is going to emerge as the most important platform. For, for marketers and e-commerce. Um, uh, essentially, you need to realize mobile devices are increasingly being built for data purposes, not just voice. Uh, uh, essentially, all of the devices out there are uh, on an advanced network. Uh, by uh, at, Right now, at the start of this year, uh, of end of 2009, about 45% uh, or so of uh, uh, the, the mobile phones out there on the new 3G networks. You look at what's going on with the Consumer Electronics Show, the fact that Google just came out with its own uh, uh, mobile phone, the fact we're seeing these tablets and others coming out. You will have the ability and the necessity to reach to this customer in, in what I'm, I'm calling uh, uh, place-based and moment, really moment-based marketing. Right. So, Chicky, to your point, you know, if you are with your husband, um, uh, you want to make sure that that the the marketer needs to make sure that they reach you with that offer uh, at the right time. And we're seeing these smartphone devices become customers' gateway to how they interact with the web. Thirty-six percent of smartphone users access the web already every day 
from their mobile phone. So we are, are seeing this emerge where it becomes the fact that uh, uh, this is their focus. And 62% of iPhone users go online to the web every day from their iPhone. And we are going to be seeing this initial wave continue to grow where people will be going in and expecting offers to be sent. There are companies like Mobile Spinach that send coupons uh, or offers to people through the course of the day based on locality and so on. Most of these devices are GPS-based, so you can tell when someone is in the region and, and, uh, and so on and how to reach them, send the right offer to the right customer at the right time. Uh, but, Henry, you know, we've, we have seen in our industry – uh, and, and back when I first got involved in mobile, um, uh, back in late 99 and, and early 2000 uh, with, with Ericsson and Intel and, and a couple of other firms that were you know, early pioneers in trying to help companies take travel uh, onto mobile devices. And it was done so badly. And it, it really was taking the old web interface and trying to shove it onto a smaller screen rather than realizing that the whole workflow really has to change. And, and do you see movement there? Yeah, I mean, we, we, not enough, Chicky. Most companies say they don't have multi-channel strategies in place. Most companies, again, you talk about the silos. No one knows who should own mobile. Um, if you want a good example of who understands this, it's Starbucks. If you mm-hmm. go to Starbucks.com on your, on your uh, laptop or desktop computer, you see a website that's really useful, and it talks to you about their new products and so on. But if you go to Starbucks.com from a mobile device, of like a BlackBerry or, or a smartphone, uh, you see something that's designed to fit in the small real estate, and it knows what's the thing you need most. You're going on there because you need your caffeine fix. So the first thing you see is uh, a field where you enter the postal code of where you are or your location, and then it feeds you back, it responds with the location of the closest Starbucks uh, uh, stores. So you need to think about the purpose that someone may have for interacting with you through your mobile device versus a traditional computer. There are going to be important differences based on who you are. So if you're a hotel or an airline, what someone is going to need is going to be different if they go on to you from a mobile than if they go on to you from... um, the traditional website. So if we Got could it. advance. Uh, you know, you also take a look at what's going on with between mobile and the offline online world. Barnes & Nobles has a great uh, new application that opens new dimensions. If you can take a picture of, the, of, the, uh, of a book, um, it will tell you what the price is. Uh, it will tell you if they have it in stock, and then it will allow you to either order it or hold it at a store for you to pick up, and mm-hmm. even to point you to the location of the closest store. So think about how you want your interactions to be, uh, because just imagine this is um, you're taking a picture of, uh, you know, what is it, a palm tree or a drink or whatever it might be if you're a resort um, uh, or whatever this could be, and how can you help the customer find that? How can you sell them? Uh, because, again, they still want to spend money. They're just going to be very careful about how they do it. Exactly. So we can advance, please. Um, again, understand people are already you know, researching products through their 
their devices. One in phone iPhone users is researching a product that they will buy later. Um, uh, they, they may buy that uh, uh, offline, but the mobile phone is a new gateway to an offline transaction. So sorry, right. Chicky, if you could go on. We take a look at what the spending is going to be. Interactive marketing spending is where the, the dollars are shifting to. Uh, uh, the, it's coming at the expense of traditional media. Uh, we see gradual growth uh, between t- 2009 and 2010, and then as the economy is expected to pick up, we see uh, uh, we see uh, in an overall increase in uh, uh, a steepening increase uh, in here. And you'll see that travel is certainly not one of the top spenders out there, but they are uh, number five in terms of the top five uh, for for spending. Got it. So, you know, the message of what you have just said is that we're we're back at this integrated place where you can't just look at throwing out the baby with the bathwater and all the things that used to be done. We're actually circling back. You need to make – right. I mean, you have to make sure that – that traditional marketing, brand marketing, product marketing, online marketing are all aligned. Uh, you know, they, they have to be like like precision-honed pieces of, of, you know, like you're building a building where things have to go in and, and be coordinated and so on and so forth. You cannot do this in isolation. It has to be in lockstep. And you take a look at this, what's also interesting here, travel as a proportion of its overall marketing budget spends more through online than any other industry. But take a look at where the money is going. You talk about keywords earlier. The majority of what travel companies spend their money on is search marketing because that drives website traffic. But we still we are going to spend more through mobile marketing uh, uh, and and uh, a considerably amount more on social than some other sectors. So, uh, uh, you know, the, que- the the message here is, is your company l- looking at these things? Are they prepared? Because, frankly, if they're not and if your people don't understand these uh, new channels and new opportunities, including social and mobile, you're going to get beaten by your competitors who are already uh, uh, – got this as part of their game plan. Oh, exactly. So talk to us about social media. Well, social media, uh, you know, it's engaging more consumers. We saw a 46% jump in the number of people who belong to a social networking site like Facebook or Twitter uh, or Flickr uh, compared to a year ago. Uh, it is consuming more time and attention on this. Uh, and what we are seeing also uh, is that uh, half of all consumers now participate to some degree in social networking, and the fastest growing part of this audience are the uh, 35-plus age group. This isn't just for kids anymore. It's not that right. kids aren't doing this. They are. They will evolve into different forms of social networking. We will follow, but this is not something that you can ignore. Well, that you know, that's clear. And I mean, your your next slide here uh, is an even larger uh, number. So, so how do you get uh, a traditional chief marketing officer, traditional leadership who thinks this is a waste of time? How, think, how do you get them to take it seriously? You need to help them understand that this is where their brand image is being formed and reformed 
uh, outside of their control. You need to help them understand that this is a great way to connect with consumers outside the structured manner of, of your uh, corporate communications, of your uh, traditional marketing, of your online advertising. It's great for market research. It's great to use to measure awareness, preference, sentiment, opinions, and so on. Uh, it's something that people are doing on a regular basis. We know two-thirds of travelers have a Facebook account. 13% have a Twitter account. So you need to under, you need to be where your customers are. Now, it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to or should have a fan page, but you need to at least observe and be prepared to participate to some degree. You also have to understand where are your customers and what are they doing because everybody's customers will be slightly different. There will be some elements of commonality and there will be some things that will be different. Mm -hmm. Some people may have more people who just watch from the sidelines. Others may have more who are creating their own content through blogs and so on. So do you have a strategy to reach out and engage bloggers? Mm -hmm. Do you have a way to, you know, are you uh, asking people to share ideas and share ratings right. and comments on your own digital channels so that, by the way, you bring people to your own proprietary channels as much or hopefully almost as much as they will go to a third party? Right. So, Henry, um, who's the poster child in our industry of really doing this well? JetBlue. Social side. JetBlue? JetBlue. JetBlue does it very well. Southwest Airlines does it very well. Um, uh, uh, but uh, JetBlue uh, really gets this in terms of Twitter. We've seen Southwest do a great job with its blog and with Facebook. Um, we see a number of other companies that are out there. Marriott's doing a very good job uh, around this. Um, uh, and we're also seeing this uh, span all sectors. Uh, Four Seasons is, do, is starting to get involved with uh, Twitter, and mm -hmm. uh, you know I think that that we're. I think it's also important to note we're all here at the beginning. We may understand websites, but we are back where we were in terms of social media. It's 1993 or 1994 all over again. We're right. all babes in the wood here. Yep, so if absolutely. we can advance, Chicky. Um, I think something to bear in mind that as we are looking at all of the stuff we're doing, our Twitter posts, our Facebook status updates, our uh, blogs, um, the pictures we're posting on Flickr, uh, you know, this this comment from Amazon's chief chief scientist that in 2009 more data was published by individuals than in all of history up through 2008 is mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. So are you prepared in terms of back-end technology? Does, you know, I heard a COO of a major airline tell me, dismiss uh, uh, social media as a silly fad. It's <laughs> not a fad. Facebook may right. come and go. Twitter may come and go. Right. Flickr may come and go. Social media is not going to go because we're simply doing through social media what we've done all along. We're simply talking to each other, but now in a magnified voice, right. in and a magnified manner. Brand and reputation is everything. So Brand and so reputation. That's, that's your next point here. Your brand is outside of your control. Your brand is being shaped and formed and created on Twitter and Facebook and these blogs and so on. No one 
it's important to point out here, Chicky, something you said earlier about you know whether is it PR who owns uh, social media. We do tend to see e-commerce or PR slash corporate communication departments being uh, tasked with owning social media. You don't own it. You share it with your colleagues and other departments. Marketing, operations, field operations, sales, customer service, contact centers, all of this. Uh, uh, you want to make sure that you're using social media and sharing it and taking it you know, as it is, which is good real-time insight into what people are saying and how your business is performing. Are you delivering right. the value and what people expect as we you know, go through this transition year? Exactly, and we're we're actually encouraging our customers for Solutions Media to uh, to actually appoint someone as the chief relationship officer that is charged with teaching people how to make their relationships with their customers stronger and how to get them engaged. And clearly, social media plays a role in that, but it doesn't stand all by itself. And and to your point about uh, mobile, and I see that you've got that covered here in, yeah. in your next slide about the intersection between these two, and I'm glad that you used JetBlue because I think it's good for people to understand, you know, who who are the, the folks who've really either led early or waited and seen somebody else do it and, and actually really set the stage for everybody else to follow. Right. So what JetBlue did is with, with they have more than 1.4 million followers on Twitter. They started a new channel on Twitter, JetBlue Cheaps, uh, to promote their sales so that they can uh, push that information to people who want to get uh, uh, special fare offers. But they're also really smart by saying, sending out tweets on a regular basis. If you're on a mobile device, here's how you can view our, our, our JetBlue cheap offers. So they're respecting the customer's channel, they're respecting the customer's time, uh, and they're, they're leading the customer and guiding that customer towards saying, yes, I want to buy. And again, they're, they're doing this in a very coordinated way. Uh, they're where they're different people who own these things, but it's coordinated, it's shared, and it's well-managed, and it's starting to generate some sales here. Right. So here we have uh, a, a bunch of uh, women who are in, in very, very influential roles with uh, major organizations, medium-sized organizations, associations, uh, you know, some of us who are, are consulting uh, we're already into 2010. The budgets are pretty well set in the bigger companies. How do they shift things around to get the biggest bang so for their buck? Get the biggest bang for your buck first. The first thing is, if you'd advance, Chicky, please. Coming. Yeah, <laughs> is to focus. Okay? You may not be able to do everything you want to do, um, uh, so you have to focus on what will be the most essential and effective way to reach your travelers in the most cost-effective way, but one that also allows you to test and be creative and for you to have that fun as well. So you have to figure out you know, uh, uh, the right tools, the right medium, the right strategy, the right budget allocation. You can't do everything. You have to accept the fact you can't do everything, and you have to look at this and you know, understand your competitor may be doing something. You have to say, good, let them take the lead on certain things because it's just that's a luxury we can't afford. Don't spread yourself so thin that you do a, a half-baked job at anything. 
Focus on where you can do well. Focus on what you know your customers are, what they value, what they want, where they're looking, where they're searching, where they're buying, and right. so on. You know, and so knowing what they want is the next thing, right? right? Ask thing, them the right questions. Ask them the right questions. We don't do this. We have wasted for years the opportunity to get closer to our customer because we have yep. failed to ask them what are your interests, what are your uh, what do you value? What brands do you like? We don't. We ask people what their mobile phone is, but we don't ask them what type of phone they have. So we don't even know how to prioritize development for some right. of the tools. So ask questions that will help you deliver better value. The next thing is provide contextual information. So help people understand why one product is better for them, not just more expensive. Is it more flexible? <laughs> right. Is it larger, smaller, prettier, You know, higher floor, wider seat, more legroom, better gas mileage, uh, better cabin position, whatever it's going to be that makes sense for you so people can put things in a relative state of context and you can shift the decision-making away from price, not entirely away from price, but shift it towards a larger set of criteria. Right, and, and I really on, love that. I really love that. And, and this next slide, uh, actually, I would like uh, just to interject before before you talk about this one, because I think this is so important, and I say this probably ten times a week. We are the only industry I know of that uh, nearly 15 years uh, after the launch of e-commerce, we are still patting ourselves on the back for 1% conversion. And if a retailer had, you know, one in a hundred buy from them, you know, they'd slit their throats or they would hire the highest price merchandising consultants in the world to come help them solve before they close their doors. Absolutely. So, so talk to us about this. And so if you take a look at a retail site, and I happen to like J. Crew, and the example was uh, a man's dress white shirt, which is probably one of the dullest thing you can be out there to think about buying. But the reason I picked this is this is a $135 shirt that J. Crew sells. And they tell you things like it is precision tailored, it's made in England, it's from Egyptian cotton, it, they leave no stone unturned. But they also include the two most important words to any man, gay or straight, out there. The shirt <laughs> is machine washable. Okay? So they tell you about this. They give you multiple pictures. They pair it with other items that make sense for you to buy. Because um, uh, if you are a straight man, you are retail challenged. And, uh, you know, you just – they make it easy for you it, this website just sings. It is just like listening to a Cole Porter song. It is just something that hums and is beautiful, and it's enticing and emotional, and you think nothing of plunking down $135. Mind you, they sell similar shirts for uh, you know, uh, uh, 20 to 50% less. Right, so but again, you what you've just like said is retailer. it's all about the story, right? It's, the it's story. all about the story. But it's also, if you could, if one, one important point, don't wait to the end, by the way, to tempt them. You have to tell them the story the whole time along. Right. You have to 
if you're going to come through with an upsell offer, start letting them know there may be something better. Co- not that there may be something better coming, but start seeding the idea in the customer's head. And just like a TV series writer creates a story arc for the span of a season, I love Mad Men. Um, I'm addicted to it. So you know, they think about the arc for the story uh, as they develop each season for Mad Men or or. You know, whatever your favorite uh, 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 TV show is going to be, if it's scripted, you need to think about the story arc for your customer. And so you take that through and you think about, if we can advance, Chicky, um, you think about what this means to you. How are you going to think about the time frames to reach your customers? What do you want to communicate? When? In what media? How many times is the right time? Uh, in what time frame? Because your customer is going to be going through the planning and purchase process. You know, when they take uh, on the journey, in stay, return, the next trip, and so on. You've got all of these selling opportunities out there for you. Don't leave any of them unturned. They're not all going to be equally important at the same time. But think about the channel. Think about uh, you know whether it's traditional web, offline advertising, search engine, mobile, social, um, uh, and all the different elements within each of these. Uh, how to reach them, with what, how, why, and within all of this, the rational and emotional elements that you need so that, again, you lead that customer to buy. Because... They're not going to throw open the wallets. It's a matter, frankly, our objective this year is to keep people from sliding backwards. So I think that is the last slide. Am I? Well, Henry, I so appreciate, uh, you know, it. this has uh, been a little bit longer than we normally do on our calls, but as the first call of the year, I thought it was really important uh, to set the stage properly. And thank you so much for making it broader, uh, you know, so that those who are listening who are uh, outside the travel industry are doing things that, that are peripheral to the uh, industry that they will understand. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this as a download, um, these slides are not available uh, to be shared. Uh, as Henry mentioned at the beginning, he has uh, very, very graciously shared uh, a lot of information that is out of an upcoming study. Uh, Henry, can you give them uh, how to contact you, how to follow you? Um, sure. Uh, so my, my contact information, it's hhardeveld at forrester.com. Um, uh, my last name is H-A-R. T-E-V-E-L-D-T. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash hhardeveld, and uh, forrester.com is, of course, Forrester's website where you can look up any of our research uh, and uh, uh, read it in more detail there. Uh, You can also use forrester.com to read any of the Forrester analyst blogs, and I just think it's important to note that I'm one of about 80 marketing and strategy analysts at Forrester. Uh, we've got more than 300 people in research who are looking at marketing and strategy, IT, and technology industry topics. So uh, uh, we're looking at not only travel, but as I mentioned, retail, financial services, healthcare, government, a wide variety of different industries, as well as topics like marketing strategy 
uh, interactive marketing, um, uh, site design, and so on. Okay, well, great. Well, we, we have about 15 minutes left in the call, and clearly with, uh, with nearly 30 people on the call, we're not going to be able to go around the table. So why don't we just take this time, if you have any, uh, any questions for Henry, um, just speak up, and we'll, we'll go ahead and use the remaining time for questions. And I do have a few uh, uh, announcements uh, at the end, so maybe if we can take 10 minutes for questions. Who would like to lead? Hi, Henry. It's Hi. Carolyn Corda. Hi, Wonderful Carolyn. comments as always. Terrific stuff. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, could you talk a little bit about what new tools do you see people using successfully to create emotional connections, to decide which uh, which customers to really focus on? Are, are there some are there some new uh, approaches, new tricks that, that are helpful in this regard? Well, I think uh, uh, we're starting to see some things in terms of site design through dynamic uh, uh, re use of rich Internet applications that allow pages to be uh, updated dynamically. Um, we've seen some sites like Travel Muse um, uh, do this very, very well where they uh, ask people some open-ended questions or allow people to pick from word clouds uh, and so on to uh, show interests, uh, and then come back with recommendations. Um, you know, we're also seeing uh, some things in terms of mobile. Some, again, there, there are more than 2,000 travel-related iPhone applications out there. Um, so I think that that, uh, uh, that is, uh, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of testing out there, but what I would say, Caroline, is we're not seeing people do enough to take advantage of what technology allows them to do on their websites. We are still seeing a lot of websites, frankly, that look, act, and feel very much like they did five, even in some cases, ten years ago. Color palettes may be updated, logos may be different, but processes and and uh, uh, functionality just hasn't evolved as much. So there's an, uh, really an opportunity out there to just go out there and, and shatter the mold and, and test things uh, uh, to see what people will value. Okay, who else has a question or comment? Henry? Yes. Henry? Yes. It's Peggy. Hey, it's Peggy. Peggy. Okay, how are you? Uh, uh, no comment, but another question. Um, with what's going on between content sites, well, where the consumer is spending their time on travel sites, and the major shift that happened, particularly aggressively last year, where they shifted from the transaction sites to the content sites, such as Brahmers, uh, you know, uh, TripAdvisor, uh, Expert flyer, those types of things. What, 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 what are you? How's that going to play out? I mean, because it kind of plays into. I thought of that when you just said that point about the the, the sites are very look very similar. They're pretty much the same, different refined logos and whatnot like that. What are Expedia, Travelocity, and others going to do to get the consumer back on their sites? Well, uh, uh, you know, I think the reason people are gravitating towards some of these 
content sites are because they're better than they once were. They've got more content, uh, and they're more useful to the consumer now than they may have been two, three, five, or more years ago. Uh, so in some cases, you, these content sites uh, and sites like Glider and others that are emerging are, are uh, uh, you know, out there, and they're going to capture a portion of what people do uh, because they do things that are different. Um, I think that, that what's interesting is we've, in talking to, to travel sellers, we have actually seen the third-party uh, uh, intermediaries, OTAs, online travel agencies increase their share of bookings thanks to uh, 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 the elimination or reduction of booking fees. Uh, but uh, I think what we're seeing happening, Peggy, is really where people are using the, some of the sites that they've been using as much or almost as much. It's just that they're adding more sites to the mix. So if you look at some of the relative value, some of the relative time people spend online, looking at data, for example, from Hitwise, people generally spend about as much time on a travel agency site now as they used to, but they are adding more sites to the mix, so they add, end up spending more time planning their trip, exploring more sites, uh, because new options have come into the mix. Uh, so, yeah, because I saw a, a statistic like 18% of all the activities now on transaction sites, it used to be around 60. And, but I think that as you take a look at the growing number of travelers that are online, the growing That's amount right. of time that they're online and so on, you, you'll see it. that you have to kind of break that down and look beyond some of the top-line numbers. I get it. So it's not that significant. That's what you're saying. Well, it's but you know, what it does point out, Peggy, is that as these competitors come in and new players come in, uh, uh, you know, is will some of these be so tempting that people eventually reduce the amount of time that they spend on some of the sites they they previously used? So that's the risk we all face. How do we keep our customers, keep them engaged, keep them coming back, and frankly. You know, you know, it's obviously going to create a, a, a need for some sites to say, we're going to have to bite the bullet here and add certain content, even though it's really, really long tail, even though it's really tangible at best. But we need to do some of this uh, uh, either through creating our own or buying some of these, lest we risk losing customers to a company that we think is uh, as smart or smarter than we are. Okay. Got it. Well, Henry, I just so appreciate you taking this time, and, and it has been terrific to catch up. I know everybody would like to, uh, to to chat personally, but it's just been great to have you take the time. And I know we'll have a lot of people downloading this. So, uh, uh, again, if, uh, if the individuals would like to get the information from the Forrester Research Project, when is that going to be published? Well, we've got a couple of uh, different reports Mm -hmm. uh, including the forecasts that are in the pipeline now. Um, hopefully they will be live within the next uh, uh, two or so weeks. Okay, terrific. Okay. Well, again, for those of you who are, are listening uh, on demand, uh, you can contact Henry at Forrester, and uh, he will have a profile on the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, platform. 
And if you uh, send him a message through that, it'll go directly to his regular email. So if you missed, uh, if you're driving or something, or out for a walk and, and uh, don't have a pen, uh, don't worry. Just search for Henry on the Executive Girlfriends Group platform, and you'll you'll find him. Well, Henry, thank you so much, and I will be talking to you soon. Thank you all. Take care, and Happy New Year. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and leave this on because I'm just going to do um, a bit of the announcement since we don't have uh, time to go around. Uh, although if, at the end, after I turn off the recording, if anybody uh, has anything they want to share, uh, you can certainly uh, stay and do that. Uh, our upcoming calls for January, uh, actually it's quite interesting. You know, Henry talked about the importance of telling the story. Um, I don't know how many of you have, have read the book, and I've got it right here, but you probably can't see it. It's the 100 Best Business Books of All Time. Um, I picked it up at, at an airport bookstore a couple of weeks ago and, and you know, because I don't have the kind of time to read everything I want to read, and this has a little synopsis, synopses uh, of books. But I got all the way to page 60 before I found a woman author. And so I thought, you know, I don't care really what the topic even is. I have to have her uh, on, the, on the call. Um, but actually, when I read her, her story, and the book is called The Story Factor, and it, Annette Simmons is the author, and she's absolutely amazing, just uh, incredibly energetic, and I had a great time uh, with her talking uh, her, uh, with her about the book. So uh, please uh, mark your uh, calendar. We'll be back to our normal f uh, format next week of going around the table and uh, having everybody have time to share um, the following week, uh, Friday, January 22nd, uh, we are having Maureen Dunkel as our guest. Maureen lives here in Tampa, and for those who were at the November uh, event in Orlando, we went to see the dress collection uh, that belonged to Pr Princess Diana. Well, I know I, I thought, and, and I'm sure many people think, that her dresses uh, you know, kind of went into this collection after her death, but actually... Uh, six or eight weeks before her death, uh, Maureen actually bid on them at auction and, and uh, won the bid. And so Maureen has, has owned these dresses uh, for over 10 years. And so this is her story um, about that and, and just a bit of the story of her life. She's doing some incredible things on helping young girls uh, really have a sense of significance and, and really making a difference with helping young girls uh, have a strong life even if, if they've had some challenges. So uh, really excited about having Maureen. And, um, uh, again, just want to thank uh, Wyndham and Women on Their Way for being uh, one of our, well, for being our primary sponsor for 2010. We are looking forward to working with Flo and with Evelyn and uh, some of the other folks, uh, including Carrie, who uh, was one of the, the founders of that program at Wyndham, uh, figuring out how we can work together in 2010 and we're hoping to announce a couple of regional uh, retreats where we can uh, stay in, in uh, some of the Wyndham resorts. Hopefully, uh, they've got a couple that are, are run by women uh, as general managers. So we're going to be uh, announcing that over the coming weeks and months. Uh, also, uh, if you have read your email today, there were a couple from me. Uh, one, we are announcing a new program beginning uh, in early February called Egg Fit. Uh, for those of you who followed my Solutions Live radio broadcast last year, I did a, a special private label radio show with Phil and Amy Parham, who were uh, one of the finalists in Season 6 of The Biggest Loser. Uh, I think they collectively lost, I don't know, something like 300 pounds. It's, it's really amazing. Uh, they've written a new book that's coming out in June, and uh, we are going to introduce a, a new program called Walk and Talk with Your Girlfriends, and uh, it is my vision for this program that we have – 
someone in every one of the time zones who who does a a walk uh and it can be 15 minutes it can be 30 minutes where they're the host on the call for that time frame and if we do it in each of the time zones that way you should be able to find one of those that fits with your work schedule uh whether we do it in the morning or or whether there's one in the evening and if you live in a place that's cold you know you can go to the mall and walk just leave your credit cards at home so uh, that's going to be one component of the program. We're also going to have EggFit Plus, which is going to include accountability uh, and an accountability group with Phil and Amy, uh, and it will follow along with the 90-Day Fitness Challenge. They will also offer, uh, similar to what Libby Guild does for our uh, premium and charter members, they will offer a free one-hour uh, personal consult um, with all of our, our charter and premium members of Egg, and then we'll offer a discount um, on that 90-day uh, program that they offer to our regular basic members. So I'm really excited about that one. Uh, also announced today, uh, Vitamin G, which is going to be, uh, uh, again, it, it's more than just a call. It's going to be a, a program and a, and a series of things that we introduce for people who want to uh, go along their faith walk together. And uh, I'm calling it God's Grace for Girlfriends. And I tell you what, my life, uh, the last three years, I never would have been uh, been able to make it at, uh, through it without uh, God meeting my needs and, and uh, just taking me through some very, very difficult business times. So I would love to share that story uh, with those who'd like to participate. Both of those programs have been added as groups on uh, the Executive Girlfriends Group site. So you can go, and if you just go to the home page today, there's the, the link to both of them, and also there's a link in the email that I sent today. So if you think you're going to be interested in participating in either getting healthier and more fit this year, uh, or again, if you'd like to be part of the Vitamin G group, go ahead and sign up for those groups so that I can just know uh, who's interested, and we'll have some organizational calls later in January. Um, also, we are going to be ramping back up uh, and getting very, very focused about Egg Local. We have got uh, close to 500 members now, and once we add uh, the Wyndham uh, women executives, I think we're going to be pushing, uh, you know, getting close to 1,000 by mid-year. And so when you grow that large, we, we obviously, as, as more and more people show up for calls, we're going to be adding different types of calls so that they'll be uh, more targeted uh, for each audience, and but most importantly, I think is just finding a way to get together locally and face to face. And and if you're traveling to a given city, Tiffany and I do this regularly, um, and uh, any of other uh, our other board members who travel to other cities, we try to host uh, an egg event in that city. And so I will be doing an organizational call in a couple of weeks uh, for anyone who would like to start a local chapter. Um, uh, our egg structure does have a membership uh, revenue stream that we're willing to share with our local partners. So uh, I will be announcing that egg uh, local formation meeting. And we do have some great chapters already underway. Uh, Dallas has been our most successful and our most active. Um, you know, poor Rebecca and I have, have just not managed to even get something on the calendar for Tampa, so shame on us. Uh, Atlanta's done some good things. Uh, we've done one in New York, and, and Tiffany's going to be there again in a couple of weeks, and is going to be another uh, uh, inciting uh, the formation of another event there. So we got a lot of momentum there, and would like to build on that in 2010. Also, for those of you who will be attending TravelCom, uh, a save the date for your calendar, and as you begin planning your travel for TravelCom, uh, which is in Dallas this year, it's at the Fairmont. 
which I think Res Expo was the last thing uh, that was at the Fairmont several years ago. But we are going to have a dinner the last night, similar to what we did in Atlanta for TravelCom last year. Uh, we will have a special guest. I don't have that all lined up yet. Um, we are uh, looking at the possibility of going over to the Morton Meyerson Symphony Hall and also uh, uh, perhaps having dinner at the uh, the museum that is the art museum that's right there. So uh, just put that on your calendar. And if you're uh, going to the event, uh, please make sure you uh, plan to fly home. Uh, late in the morning on March 12th, and if you are uh, wanting to just come and, and uh, hang out with us, uh, we're going to be doing a similar event to what we did in Orlando at Focusrite. So I uh, just want you to mark that on your calendar. And just want to thank everybody. I know today was a, a little bit different by having all all content, um, and I, I actually miss uh, talking to all of you. So uh um, anyway, Christine, you were telling everybody about the grandbaby. When when was she born? Christine, are Hello? you still with us? Brosnahan. Yeah, I had to get off mute. There you go. Um, she was born, uh, it was my daughter's, and she was born. Again, please don't miss our call uh, next week. Uh, Annette Simmons, uh, the storyteller, then Maureen Dunkel on January 22nd. Uh, we also are having a special call on January 28th. Uh, our guest is a woman named Sandy Abrams. Uh, it's really geared toward people who uh, either are ready to go out uh, in an entrepreneurial venture or who have a dream that they just would like to hear about how you get from dream stage and into actually launching a business. And Sandy wrote a book called Your Idea Incorporated. And again, I, I had just a blast with her on the phone. Um, and then January 29th is uh, Eleanor Stutz, and she wrote a book called Nice Girls Do Get the Sale, Relationship Building That Gets Results. And then uh, I haven't published the uh, February schedule yet, but uh, I did secure Dana Steele, who is the author of a book called Rock to the Top, What I Learned About Success from the World's Greatest Rock Stars. And I thought it fitting since every time we get together for an egg dinner, we always go around the, the table talking about our first rock concert that we ever went to. And Dana is just, uh, she's amazing. And uh, again, I just, I so enjoyed talking to her and, get, and just in getting her scheduled that I can't wait for that call. So uh, you will be seeing all of that shortly. I'm trying to do a better job of keeping up the calendar on executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. If you've got friends who want to join Egg, uh, send them to executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. It's the public website. It has tons of information uh, about Egg, each level of membership. Uh, each week we are adding new features and benefits to the premium membership. Uh, I think you all saw uh, this past week, and, and hopefully you printed it out because it was very long, um, is the list of things you can do to get more engaged, to get points. Uh, if you are already paid up as a basic member, you can actually uh, use engagement points to earn premium membership, which has some great, great perks and benefits. And if you or your company have things that you would like to submit as benefits for our uh, charter and premium membership um, as, as benefits, uh, either in the form of discounts or uh, a service that you would like to give them a taste of, um, please just contact me directly. And have a great weekend. Hope hope it warms up for everybody. We don't have much hope for that here in Tampa. We're we're gonna fall below thirty again, I think, tonight.
And I know, Chris, you don't feel sorry for us. (laughs) (laughs) But our houses aren't insulated, and we don't have winter coats. That's true. You are right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you again so much, and I hope to see all of you next Friday. Take care. Thank you for joining us on the Executive Girlfriends Group call. For more information, see www.solutionswithaz.com or call 1-813-925-0789 to learn more about sponsorship and membership in the Executive Girlfriends Group. Have a great day and start to leave your legacy.
song you've been listening to is Nicole Nordman's Legacy. Nicole is an artist of the EMI Christian Music Group label. Her website is www.nicolenordman.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E-N-O-R-D-E-M-A-N.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.